This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Got a few things to get to. we got May enrollees who just got to campus during the weekend, settling in as first-year Nittany Lions. Six new players on this Penn State roster for 2022. Still several more to come later in the summer before preseason camp. We'll run through that group a little bit with veteran Penn State reporter and Lions 24-7 colleague Mark Brennan in just a moment. But I want to make sure you stick around for our interview we've got coming up just a bit later as well. Deny Dennis Sutton, the five-star defensive end prospect out of the McDonough School in Maryland. Uh, going to be coming up a little bit later this summer with that group I just talked about and joining Penn State. One of those instant impact potential freshmen that James Franklin, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, defensive line coach John Scott are really excited to get on campus in just a matter of weeks. So you'll hear an in-depth conversation with the Nye in just a bit. But let's get to it with Mark Brennan, because as I said, the Penn State roster expanded in the last few days. Uh, some new faces to get familiar with. We had some content up on those guys at lines247.com. We'll continue to do that, introduce you to some of these newcomers in the next few days. But, uh, Mark, uh, before we get to the group that got here, one guy did not that we had anticipated, and Penn State had anticipated uh, being part of this May enrollment group. That's safety Tyrese Mills out of Lackawanna College. It's been a great pipeline for Penn State at the safety position. Jaquan Brisker became an All-American. Jair Brown was the turnover leader last year. Maybe he'll make that jump to an All-Big Ten kind of All-American all level play this year. Uh, but Tyrese Mills is going to have to wait a little bit longer. Um, and, and you uh, got some intel on this in the last 24 hours or so. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for telling everybody Deny is going to be on because that's what everybody really wants to see. But we do want to go through some of this stuff. I mean, that, that kid is going to be a big-time player. Hey, Therese Mills, uh, you know, from what we're gathering, and we have a post on the on the board about it, um, there was a, a thing with one class that he did not take that he needed for admissions. was not his fault. He was under the impression that he had met all the standards uh, and there was something uh, at with Penn State on not the, in Lash Building, uh, but with the university, there was a little bit of a snafu. And you know, and the reason I, I'm being completely upfront with this is because I'm I always like to be completely upfront. But sometimes when a kid's coming from a JUCO, and people talk about quote unquote, you know, an academic issue, there can be a little bit of a stigma about that. And that in this instance, that would be completely unfair. This kid did absolutely nothing wrong, did everything he needed to do to be at Penn State now. And it was a mistake. It was not his fault. Uh, so, you know, this is a guy, Tyler, who I think we both feel has an opportunity to really contribute this year. You know, the good thing is if you look at him physically, one of the keys for the guys enrolling in May is it gives them a little bit of a jump, you know, not the same as enrolling in January, but a little bit of a jump getting into that weight room, getting into that strength program. This is a kid who's already pretty well put together, so he's going to be just fine. And I just want to make sure people know, hey, listen, this was nothing that that, that anything wrong that this kid did. 
give him the benefit of the doubt. He's going to be a nice player for Penn State, and that's been a really good pipeline. The kids from coming from Lackawanna have not only produced, uh, but they've been good students and they've gotten a job done in a classroom as well. So, uh, you know, looking forward to him getting here in June. A little bit of a, of, a, of a difficult spot for him, but he's going to be just fine. And uh, that's not the only you know connection there with Lackawanna to Penn State. He was at Northeast High School in Philadelphia before that. Dion Barnes, who's now a Penn State assistant on the defensive side of the ball, he was the defensive coordinator at Northeast uh, during Tyrese Mills' career. He was obviously a, a central figure in, in getting this offer to Tyrese Mills and ultimately getting this commitment pretty quickly last year uh, for the Nittany Lions. So we'll see what happens there. Mills is a guy I've been curious about as we kind of see safety step up into that front seven. Uh, maybe, you know, could he be a guy who, who does factor in into that Sam linebacker conversation down the road? Um, it, it's a spot at safety right now. They're looking for a starter. There's been uh, at least two or three names kind of bounced around for that. They've got an influx of talent uh, with this freshman group and with this junior college player. But uh, again, going to have to wait a little bit longer. And unfortunately for Mills, kind of a common theme here, uh, getting to Penn State, he had to delay his signing from December to February. Now it appears delaying the enrollment from May to June. But if it ends with him on campus ahead of preseason camp, it will be a mission accomplished for a guy who, you know, certainly was not really on that power five radar the way he wanted to be coming out of Northeast High School. Um, but we got a bunch of guys to talk about who did get here and obviously a big chapter in their football careers and lives getting started. Let's start with the specialist in the room before we get to the defensive and, and offensive intakes. Alex Baquetta, the guy that we've had here on the podcast, uh, he told us he expects to be a versatile component of that specialist room. Hearing from Stacey Collins, the, the new special teams coordinator for the Nittany Lions, he said uh, Baquetta is going to be a combo guy, certainly not going to restrict him to just being a punter, um, opening the door for him to be in a place kicker. He was a highly, highly effective field goal specialist uh, at the high school level as well, uh, coming from the Westminster School down in the Atlanta area. Blake Gilligan had a hell of a Penn State career coming from that school, four-year starter at punter. And, Mark, this is one that we've circled for a long time and saying there are flashier names in this freshman class, but if you're looking for the guy who may be that week one starter, Baquetta is a pretty strong bet, but he'll have to come in and earn it. Yeah, you, and you can't mention Baquetta with without mentioning who's who's go on who's going out of the program in Jordan Stout. I mean, uh, fourth round draft pick. Uh, I mean, just obviously did a, a magnificent job on a lot of levels for Penn State. But when you look at uh, players who can make an instant impact uh, from this kind of quote unquote late arriving group, uh, to me, this is one of the. You know, outside of Hunter Norzad, the uh, the the, the uh, offensive guard transfer, and uh, you know Robinson, who's coming a little bit later, the D end. To me, this is a kid who really has an opportunity to step in and be the starter. You know, one of the things James Franklin said that I thought really resonated is that he's had an opportunity to work out with Blake Gilligan, and Gilligan said this kid is, I think, what is it, the best prepared incoming freshman or something like that as a punter. And we've dealt with Blake Gilligan. You know, he's a straight shooter. He's not just going to say that sort of thing. So kind of the background that this kid has. And, you know, you look at where they were in the spring. I don't know that anybody really uh, kind of stood out and seized that job. So I think he has a real opportunity to come in, to come in here and be, you know, a, a first-year starter, four-year starter type of guy. 
Let's go to the guy you mentioned there, the, the transfer, Hunter Norzad, coming in after a career at Cornell, um, earned his engineering degree at the Ivy League level. Now he's going to finish off his football career. We saw a similar path at the Ivy League uh, to Big Ten uh, transfer last year. Eric Wilson going from Harvard to Penn State. He ended up taking over the left guard job during game one, held on to it throughout the remainder of the season. They spent a little bit of time just, just now on the New Orleans Saints roster. Uh, but, but this is one that, look, Talk about needs, punters and punters and need going into the summer. So is offensive guard. I still think Landon Tengwall is in a good spot on the left side. You know, going to have to be out there consistently, accrue those reps, handle himself, and get that job. Uh, but that right side, certainly warmly limited during spring ball, but out there, I think that was that was good to see him involved. We talked about that a, a lot. Uh, JB Nelson coming in, we saw him working on the left side. A golden Israel Achumba. I think right now he's still really a reserve at this stage of his career. To me, Hunter Norzad coming. He didn't come in here to watch football. He came in here to make his mark and and and, and make his move toward NFL draft status. And, and this is one that Penn State, if they can hit on it, can go a long way towards potentially coming up with some remedies. And Phil Troutwine needs a few between now and kickoff. Yeah, one other guy I throw in there is Nick Dawkins. I know he yes, plays a lot at center you. as well, but I did want yeah. to throw him in there. But I, I think it, what it speaks to Tyler is the competition. Okay, mm -hmm. so Sal Warmly would have been a starter last year from from what we heard had he not been uh, uh, banged up. And I think everybody can look at Landon Tangwell and see the upside there, what he could become. But you need competition. And, and that's something uh, it through nobody's fault that they didn't necessarily have in the spring because people there were a lot of injuries. And, and as you mentioned, Sal Warmly was still a little bit limited coming back off of the injury last year. So to get this guy in to be able to fight for a spot, you know, I, I think that's just a, a good thing all around. It was funny because there was a, a photo, somebody posted a, a Twitter photo on the Lions Pride board of Hunter Norzad uh, with the rest of the early of these these enrollees. I'm calling them early enrollees with the May enrollees, and he was standing next to Drew Shelton. So you know. Hunter is listed at 6'4". I, I don't know that he's quite that tall. I'm guessing he's 6'2", 6'3". But if you look at him, he is really put together. I mean, not super heavy, you know, right, probably right in there around 300 pounds. Uh, but you can tell he's athletic. Uh, he has all those things kind of going for him. So to me, can he come in and be a starter? Yeah, I think he has the opportunity to do that. But I think just generating that competition – at those interior offensive line spots is, is is a really big thing. Yeah, thanks for bringing up Nick Dawkins. I th do think he's made himself a viable option at a couple spots there on the interior, and that's important for them because they've got a lot of year three offensive linemen that they need to step up. It seems like Nick Dawkins is putting himself in a spot to do that, be a competitive member of that group going into to preseason camp. Uh, and by the way, he has already lost that inch. Six foot three, 310 pounds okay. was Hunter Norzad on the official press release that Penn State put out there announcing his arrival. Um, you know, this is one uh, we'll find out with Damian Robinson a little bit later in the summer. Mitchell Tinsley, very much in, in consideration to start. You didn't get the high volume that you did last year in the transfer portal, but you didn't hit on every single one of those pickups, at least not in 2021. So if you can get three starters out of this or guys that are getting starter level snaps in September, uh, you know, considering kind of how quiet this process started in the winter in terms of additions, it's a, it's a pretty solid incoming group of, of transfers. And obviously now two out of three on campus already, Mark. Yeah. And and again, it's depth. I mean, at, at all of those positions, I mean, 
when we were going into or coming out of last season and you look at the people who declared for the NFL draft and or you looked at, at places where uh, they were a little bit thin, you know, how do you address certain things? So I think the one thing they didn't really address in, in the transfer portal was maybe adding a linebacker. Don't know if that's going to happen at this point, but they've been very good uh, through the early part of the transfer transfer portal era, I guess we would call it with addressing needs they did it last year and they did it this year and i think hunter is another example of being able to go and go and get that done and another example of guy who's kind of a one-year situation here as he's down to the end of his eligibility uh, he was at 20 consecutive starting left, uh, right tackle uh, for cornell uh, selected as phil stills ivy league offensive lineman of the year last year so there's a little bit of, of, of information on the newest Nittany Lions offensive lineman. Uh, they've got a few more incoming uh, this summer as well. They've got one already uh, on board here in May, Drew Shelton. Uh, you mentioned it. You know, you can see the frame when he sets foot on campus. Um, I'm curious to see what he pops up on the roster. I know that he's got some physical gains to make. Uh, I think he's, he's got some strides to make that they're going to want to really, uh, I think, ramp up the caloric intake and, and make this guy look like more like a Big Ten offensive tackle. But right now he looks like a top 24-7 offensive tackle prospect. I mean, you, the, these top these top offensive linemen you're seeing, uh, they're not guys anymore that that, that need to, to shed a bunch of bad weight. These are guys that come right. in looking more like basketball forwards that then you're building up. Uh, you know, Rasheed Walker kind of fit that mold coming onto campus as a freshman and ultimately put on 30, 40 pounds over the course of his high, uh, his college career. Um, I think with Shelton, um, this is one that tackle, you know, you, you've got your, your two starters blocked in there right now, uh, but Olu Fashano has proven very little at this point. And Caden Wallace, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that has been on the right side for a long time. It seems like they want to keep him at tackle, um, but depth is, is kind of a – thin scary position especially with Bryce Effner out, out of the uh out of the uh, situation entirely in the spring on the field he was sidelined uh J Jimmy Christ uh is a guy that we don't quite know about you, lo you love the way he looks out there and the way he could maybe fill out physically we just don't know with him and so I think JB Nelson Landon Tengwall these are guys who can step up how quickly can Drew Shelton prove to Phil Troutwine, uh, Mike Yersich, that he is capable of competing at tackle in a college football game? It's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. Um, there aren't many opportunities early in the season to get your feet wet, and the fact that you know he didn't get those spring practice uh, reps under his belt aren't going to help his case. But uh, this is one of those tackle prospects that Penn State you'd love to stack these kind of guys up because they're not all going to hit. But you bring in a guy with this kind of physique and you bring him in from the home state and you keep him here and he had a lot of options elsewhere. Really love this pickup for Drew Shelton. Just kind of going to caution people not to think that this may be the jolt in 2022 that the offensive line needs right now. Yeah, well, he was a guy who I think originally was going to early enroll early back in, in January and decided not to do that, which is completely fine. If, if somebody wants to enjoy their senior year of high school, uh, you know, play some hoops, do whatever. Uh, that, that's completely fine. But I do think with respect to being a, a major contributor this year, that that it, he would have been more able to do that uh, had he enrolled early. And again, I'm not being critical of him for not enrolling early because I can't imagine what it's like for a lot of these kids to give up that last semester. Uh, but I, I do think it's important that he's one of the guys who got here in May at least because it does get him in, into the strength program. I think anybody who was at the blue-white game – and look down on the field when they introduced these guys, it was exactly what you said. I mean, Drew Shelton looked like he actually dropped weight 
and and that is a good thing, people, because as Tyler mentioned, it's better, I think, for these guys to start from a a a, a base of being thinner and then allowing the strength program to build them in to the people that they're going to become. I think Michael Mennett was a really good example of that. You know, he was a guy who came in at 260, 265, something like that. And, you know, they, they built him up quickly. Will Fries. I mean, these are guys that they were able to build up, uh, you know, relatively quickly. And I think you're going to see, if you look at Drew Shelton, what you see is the frame. You see long arms, uh, you know, just length and what you would expect out of an offensive tackle. So what sort of impact is he going to be able to make this year? I think it's going to have to do with how much strength and muscle he's going to be able to put on before the the, the, the season gets here. And then I would, I would envision him as potentially being a backup type player, but I would be surprised if he was able to really compete for a starting spot. I may be wrong. He may prove me wrong. Uh, but I think he's in a really good spot. They typically don't bring in offensive linemen saying, hey, we're depending on you to be a starter this year. Uh, even a guy like Tangwell, who was, what, you know, 310, whatever he, whatever he was, he was a physical beast when he got here. They took it easy, kind of easing him in to work. So be yeah. patient with Drew Shelton. He's going to be just fine, but has to has to bulk up and fill out a little bit. And I think back to Caden Wallace in 2019, uh, initially a guy that the Penn State staff thought could get that, you know, was going to be a green light kind of freshman for them. I think he arrived on campus in May as well that year. By the time they got through August camp, felt comfortable in being a guy they could play, working on special teams. But then you're getting to September and you're thinking, are we going to burn a year of eligibility on a top-level tackle prospect, a top-level offensive line prospect. They opted not to do that with Caden Wallace. They said, we're not doing that for special teams reps, going to keep that red shirt on him, preserve that eligibility. You know, If it's a similar conversation with Shelton and you're talking about him flirting with that four-game threshold, just something to keep in mind there. And obviously that's going to be dependent upon uh, how performance is going on the offensive line and, and obviously injuries will pop up along the way. It's just a matter of time. Um, one other uh, addition on the offensive line to this point in 2022 is J.B. Nelson, who I mentioned getting reps at guard, getting some reps at tackle. Another one of those Lackawanna College prospects who showed up in January, joined the team. Uh, another wide receiver also on board. Uh, three of them joined the program in January. Mitchell Tinsley from Western Kentucky via transfer. And then Caden Saunders and Omari Evans, some guys who brought serious speed to the room as early enrolled freshmen. Tyler Johnson, uh, Mark, is now on board. He's a guy that I caught up with on Friday. I'll have something written up on him uh, this week coming up to the site. Um, but you know, kind of a, it, compared to some of the other recruitments that we that we followed for Penn State in 2022, very much under the radar. He committed last June uh, when things were really heating up for Penn State with this class. Um, I think this is one that people kind of may have overlooked. And, and maybe you go through this list of, of – uh, of commits and guys who are already here and you kind of got to remind yourself, okay, Tyler Johnson's adding to this wide receiver room too. big play last year, uh, 30 yards per catch in two different seasons. He had a, a spring season that really put him on the map as a power five prospect. Um, and then he had a fall season where he, he validated a lot of that stuff, went for 1200 plus yards, 15 touchdowns on only 40 catches. He told me he's been training with an emphasis on speed development, so trying to maybe catch up with those guys like Evans and Saunders, and he said he's in the low 4-4 range. We'll see what Penn State 
gets on him when, when they get him through some testing. But he felt confident that he was coming to campus, really ready to fly out there in a way that, that he hadn't necessarily done in the past. At a Magna Vista High School, Mark, a, a name to file away at receiver. There are six players with freshman eligibility on this 2022 roster uh, in that position room. Tyler Johnson uh, among them and a guy that I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him to, to, to get involved in that rotation over the course of this year. But I really like this pickup, and I think that it's among offensive uh, additions for this class. It's one that probably people just aren't really paying as much mind to as they maybe should be. Well, and when Penn State, uh, as you mentioned, he was really an under-the-radar guy when Penn State offered him, right? I mean, uh, you know, not a lot of people knew about him, and he committed, I think, relatively quickly. Uh, but yeah. that it's going to be a challenge in that room. And that's that, but, but again, it speaks to what I was talking about before you're starting to see some of these positions be just have more talent overall. So is it a good thing that uh, Tyler Johnson is, is going to struggle for playing time, not for him, but for the position overall? Yeah. I mean, you got to come in and fight and guess what? If he, if he comes in and plays better than expected immediately, I think he will have an opportunity to do some things, but I think, Outside of the guys we've already mentioned, it's going to be kind of difficult for, for a lot of these other kids to make an immediate impact just because they weren't here in the spring. But that's, again, I, I don't want to come across as being negative toward guys who didn't enroll early because, you know, th there are different reasons for it. Sometimes you can't graduate early. Sometimes you want to enjoy that spring semester. Uh, but he's going to have plenty of time, and uh, let's see how it plays out for him. Yeah, it comes off very confident from our conversation that he's ready to, to, to get up to speed uh, and compete here in 2022. Time will tell in Taylor Stubblefield's room. That is a group that will add Anthony Ivy this summer as well. So a lot going on as they establish a young foundation. Of course, Mitchell Tinsley, though, kind of that plug and play piece that we look at here in 2022 with Jahan Dotson uh, on his way uh, off in the NFL. The defensive side of the football, not addressed very much since Manny Diaz showed up to campus. In fact, they lost a bunch of starters to the NFL draft. They added Zane Durant, who was a revelation during spring camp. But now you're starting to see a little bit of a trickle in terms of accumulating new talent, new players to, uh, for Manny Diaz and company to evaluate. A couple in the defensive backfield arrive in May. A bunch more arrive in the summer. But right now the focus on Christian Driver out of Texas, Cam Miller out of Florida. Um, and speaking with Terry Smith about these guys and speaking with uh, Manny Diaz about these guys, um, and every time you bring them up, uh, Penn State very, very cautious to label anybody at a specific position in this defensive back group. Uh, get the sense that we could see Driver and Miller begin their careers at cornerback also understand that by the time we get to spring camp in 2023 either of those guys might be playing a different position at safety we've seen some fluctuation we know that anthony poindexter loves to get safeties with cornerback skills who doesn't love that as a safeties coach uh but they got a couple talented players here and two of their more important long distance pickups of the 2022 cycle yeah and i, I think the last thing you, you hit on there is important i mean to continue uh, to go in and do the great job they've done, done in Florida. I mean, it's it, it's unbelievable with Cam Miller, and then obviously with Driver. You know, there was uh, you know a previous relationship between James Franklin and uh, his dad Donald Driver. You know, former uh, Green Bay Packers wide receiver. But still, to be able to go down to Texas, you know, obviously Penn State to to build the best recruiting classes, it's always going to have to recruit well. 
you know, in that 300 mile radius around State College. But to be able to go and add pieces like this to a class is really important. And I think the other thing you hit on, Tyler, is the positional flexibility. Both of these guys could end up at either position or either of these guys could end up at both positions, however you want to phrase it. And, and, and that's important. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, you know, Keaton Ellis comes in as a corner and, you know, where does he end up at safety? Zaki Wheatley, uh, Wheatley, excuse me, uh, ends up being the takeaway king. Uh, moving from corner to safety. So to have players who have that sort of positional flexibility, and what does that tell you about them? It tells you that these are guys who can cover and they're tough. And and, and, and that's important. Now, again, you know, I would caution that you're looking at some some significant talent in, in that defensive backfield, even with you know lo- losing some people. And I think they just keep building and building and building back there. So uh, do, will either of these guys have an opportunity to contribute this year? Not sure. I think if they do, it would probably be on special teams uh, or as as a, a, a relatively deep reserve. Uh, but adding that positional flexibility and continuing to build those pipelines into two key states really important. Both of these guys, uh, you know, add the offensive background too. I think that's important to note that Penn State, you know, and, and everybody loves to collect defensive backs with that, with ball skills, with the offensive experience. Don't want guys that that don't flash that at any point in their high school career. And with uh, you know Christian Driver, I know that there was conversations about whether he wanted to play wide receiver or whether he was open to playing uh, defensive back at the next level, and, and where he ultimately landed that. And that was a, a part of this recruitment process. And I think with Cam Miller, you know, he started his career career at Fernandita Beach uh, before he ended up at Trinity Christian Academy in Jacksonville. Now, he went from a school that was very much off the radar, not a perennial playoff contender or anything by that stretch of the imagination, to one of the premier powerhouses in that area of Florida at, at Trinity Christian. And I really just think he made a seamless maneuver. He was very effective on all three phases. Um, a guy that could maybe be a factor as a special teams returner, I think, for Penn State as his career progresses. Um, both four-star talents by evaluation of 24-7 sports. But I think people down in Florida, Andrew Ivins is among them. Uh, we had him on the podcast last week talking about Miller a little bit. Uh, there's a sense that that maybe he went under the radar, undetected a little bit in a way because of the program that he spent his first few high school seasons at it. Penn State always seems to be ahead of the curve, and a lot of their evaluation processes was on Ken Miller. Uh, you know, I think that that his recruitment really could have been a bit more crowded, could have been a bit more hot of a situation there. And I think he's a guy that in a few years down the road could leave some of those teams in the southeast, in the state of Florida, kind of wondering had they let him get out of the region, had they let him get up to state college. And, and I, I'm sure they're already mumbling the same things about Zane Durant right now. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it would be remiss if we didn't say Jay Wan Sider and Terry Smith, the job that they do in Florida. Uh, you know, it's 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 been unbelievable. With some of the, it's not just pulling out the high level talent, but I don't know that anybody expected Zane Durant, and and, and so that should be one of the caveats here is that, you know, a, a guy like Zane Durant comes in, and if you would have asked me, you know, before winter workouts what do I project for Zane Durant? I would have said, you know, it's probably going to be difficult for a defensive lineman, especially somebody who looks a little bit undersized. Then he comes into winter workouts, blows it up and kills things in, uh, in spring practice. So everything we're saying here, you do have, you do have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt. And that's just, it's just kind of the way it is in the sense that even if we're not sure guys can compete, 
once they get on campus, they're going to have every opportunity. And that's one of the things I really liked about Manny Diaz when we talked to him. And, you know, I'm sure it's the same way with Yurcic and, and Franklin's always said it. But, you know, Manny Diaz made no bones about it that these freshmen who come in are going to have an opportunity to, to, to compete. Now, I think he was talking more about uh, Denai and guys like Abdul Carter, uh, you know, and, and, and some of the linebackers. But overall, these guys are going to come in and have the opportunity to compete. And that's really all you can ask for. And could somebody prove us wrong? Yeah. I mean, would I have expected Pat Fryermuth a few years ago to enroll in June and then be the tight end that he was as a true freshman? No. Yeah. So you just never know who's going to really get here and be prepared to get it done immediately. Some of these guys may well be, be able to do that. Yeah, uh, August is going to be a big, big proving ground. Obviously, a bunch of work to do between now and then to lay the foundation. As we said, a, a huge group of, of incoming additions. I think there's still 12 additions for this roster before August as, as we get the next summer semester and, and get the rest of this group in, including that transfer, Damian Robinson. But there is your group for right now. Uh, a couple offensive linemen and Hunter Norzad, Drew Shelton, a couple defensive backs and Christian Driver um, and, and Cam Miller, wide receiver and Tyler Johnson, a punter, a combo specialist in Alex Paquetta. Um, and as we said, Tyrese Mills, um, just because of how things worked out, not going to be here this month, expected to be here next month uh, at the safety spot. So that's where we stand on that. The other question that we get, and it's going to lead us, uh, aside from when are guys showing up and, and how ready are they going to be to compete, is what is going on with NIL? And, and that's where our mailbag leads us. And I thought it was a good one while we have you. And before we get to the Deny Dennis Sutton interview, uh, because you just put a post up on Lines 24-7 on, on our VIP message board about you know kind of where things are headed. And the question I got here uh, on the NIL subject um, goes like this. Are there any updates on Penn State's NIL efforts, particularly when it comes to football? Relatively simple question. It's a complex answer, though, um, and it's something that was addressed uh, pretty head on by the new athletic director, Pat Kraft, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I think, you know, two things. Uh, number one, there's a really good thread on our uh, on the Lions Pride board that's been following the NIL stuff the whole time. So it, it would it would be worth people's while to go in there and check out some of that discussion. And then we also were able to put up a thread. Uh, it's a VIP thread uh, about some of the things that are starting to roll slowly but surely. And, and there's some positive things there involving Nick Singleton, PJ Mustafer, uh, Zane Durant. Uh, I won't get into all of it right here. Uh, but there's some good discussion there and some really good feedback on, on, on the way things are starting to roll. Uh, but this is a situation where, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new era. And Penn State really has to stay up to speed here. And I think there are some very intelligent people who are getting involved with these. Uh, I think they're calling them collectives and uh, that, that are trying to make things work and, and be helpful uh, fr from from the the NIL perspective uh, for Penn State, but yeah, some things are starting to to, to roll out there. And if you want to check out the thread that that, that I posted on Lions Pride, uh, great. Uh, but there's also been a long thread where people have just discussed uh, NIL at length and in detail and very intelligently. Some pretty cool stuff in there. Uh, again, some of the players that you know that we're hearing have have things in play. Nick Singleton, PJ Mustafer. Uh, I think Jair Brown could get something going. 
Uh, Zane Durant has something in, in, in play, and it's going to keep going and going and going. So this is just kind of some of the things that we've heard about in the last couple of weeks. Mark, you've covered this program for three decades. I'm, I'm just going to round up, around, round up, round down. I'm not sure which way I'm going on that one. But you, you've seen you know, this, this tradition is a huge part of this. It's a, it's a blue blood college football program. We've seen all these different historical, traditional programs kind of deal with college football's fast changes in their different ways. Some have been quick to address. Some have been hesitant to address. How do you think now that Penn State – clearly trying to publicly get the ball rolling. How do you feel the at-large, massive network of alumni, particularly those with some checks in their back pocket, are reacting to what is happening and the reality of college football? Well, I think they have to be aware. I don't know that everybody is. And if there's one thing I think Penn State could do a better job of is saying, hey, look what's happening at some other schools. And things have been one way for a long time. But, you know, so, some of these, the alumni with the checkbooks that you're talking about, I think they have to be more aware of what it's going to take to be competitive at the top level. And that's just the way it is. I know people may not want to hear that, uh, but, 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 but I think it's true. You know, I go back to Penn State was one of the last schools to, uh, I don't want to say last, Penn State was very late to the game in terms of implementing a quote unquote seat license for Beaver stadium, they'll, they'll never call it a seat license, but it's a, it's a, it's basically a seat license and they waited and waited and waited and finally did it like around 2010, 11, 12, I forget what year it is. And by that point they had waited so long that it like kind of blindsided everybody. Like nobody was prepared, like fans, it really made fans angry. And I bring that up because I think people have to realize that you're much better off with something that that is a, a radical change. You're much better off getting in at the ground level, just telling people, you know, now Penn State can't necessarily do this, but I think some really smart uh, alumni know, know what they're doing, but saying, hey, listen, you know, this is what it's going to take to compete. And if you, the longer you wait, the more difficult it's going to be. So I think there are going to be opportunities out there, and I would just tell people to keep their eyes and ears open. Uh, there, there, there are already collectives out there, but just keep your eyes and ears open, and there are going to be opportunities uh, for people to, to help out however they can. Uh, I'm not backing any specific one or any specific, uh, you know, whatever, but I would just say that it's going to be important moving forward that uh, people understand that NIL is going to be part of what makes programs successful. And to see some of the small steps that are being taken, it's very important. It's part of so many conversations right now, whether you're talking about a, a, a coach and security and what he wants on the job and NIL being part of that pillar, uh, or talking about guys looking toward the transfer portal, maybe not even entering the transfer portal, but gauging the market, seeing what's happening Leverage. on other campuses. It, it's it's remarkable how quickly it has, it has just become something that has set in, and it's not by any means what it will be in two years from now, but uh, you're right. It's 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 the road is moving underneath the people's feet. If you're involved in college football, and if you're not starting to, to jog with it, uh, you're going to be left behind. And, and well, some then are sprinting. The but then the NCAA put out its clarifications. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, sh shouldn't these clarifications have been clarified be be before you opened a barn door? Uh, 
it's you're it, looking it, for clarification from the NCAA. You're looking for clarification in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think the bottom line, seriously, Tyler, is that there are there are are, are I'm going to say it again because I think it's important. There are very smart people who are trying to do this all the right way for for Penn State to help Penn State. And uh, I, again, just keep your eyes and ears open. I think there will be opportunities uh, that that people can help out if you ever wanted to help out. Uh, but it's for for Penn State to be competitive. You look at some of the crazy stuff that's out there already. Uh, for Penn State to be competitive, it's going to have to to, to make an earnest – not Penn State, but the, the Penn State alumni and backers and fans are going to have to make an earnest effort uh, on this NIL front, and that's just kind of the way it is. Well, Mark, good chatting with you. Appreciate your uh, your coverage of the NIL and what's happening here at Penn State. Uh, a bunch of more at lines247.com. Maybe come on next week. Uh, we'll have Daniel back in the fold. He's, he's down near the equator right now for a wedding. We can talk about some of these roundtables, the topics we've been doing up on lines247.com. Yeah, sounds good. I always enjoy being here and look forward to uh, Daniel coming back. Hopefully he had his SPF 4,000 uh, <laughs> down there on a little bit of a vacation. All right. See you, Mark. Let's jump into it now with Denai Dennis Sutton, uh, one of the premier members of the Penn State 2022 recruiting class. Now the freshman class as they transition to life on campus. He's a few weeks away from making that move. Took some time to speak with us this week. Just a few weeks away from arriving at Penn State as a student athlete, Denai Dennis Sutton joins us here on the Alliance 24-7 podcast. Denai, uh, just like, like I said, a few weeks until things change and you, you, you're going to be preparing for your first college football season. What's your mindset like right now? I'm ready. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, you know, get working with the guys, the class, you know, the D-line, all them guys. So I'm looking forward to it and uh, I'm ready to get out there. You mentioned before we started recording that that you've wrapped up school, uh, you've wrapped up track season. Congratulations! Obviously, a high school career impacted by COVID. Your career was impacted, but you came out the other side. Um, what was it like for you? I guess to, to finish up on a high note. Uh, obviously, I think people saw you on the track field and they said this guy's going to be a defensive lineman. Uh, what was it like for you the last few months? Uh, it's been fun. Uh, these last few months have definitely been a lot of fun. Like you said, with track and still training and stuff. Um, this is my first year um, doing track. I did indoor track in the winter and then outdoor track in the spring. So um, it was fun. It was fun to, you know, get my last, you know, couple months with the other seniors and the younger guys to just compete with them on a the track field. You know, it was just a, another way to enjoy the time with them. But these, these past couple months have been good and just preparing to get ready for, for state college, you know. You mentioned you're, you're 6'5", north of 250 pounds right now. What were you actually participating in in track? And any numbers you'd care to share that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, so uh, I was about the same weight um, doing track season, about 250, 255, somewhere around there. Um, and then, yeah, like my 100 meters, like around 11'3". Um, and then I did the 200, but I did the 4 by 2 So I don't know the exact split time for the 200, but... You know, I think it was pretty good for my size and a first-year track runner, you know. I would agree with you. Um, now, you're preparing for, for college enrollment um, and the classroom, on the field. Obviously, you got to wait till August to get on the field. But how are you doing that? Um, what specifically kind of have you changed about your routine that is tailored toward putting you in a position to succeed as a freshman at the college level? Yeah, so during the school year, I was, you know, lifting three or four times a week and then, 
going to track practice every day, and it was hard to, like, get, uh, you know, D-line-specific drills in. But now that I'm out of school and I have, you know, four to five weeks off, you know, I can pretty much do everything every day, you know. Like, in the morning, I hit the weights. Then in the afternoon, I go to the track. And then, you know, in the evening, I can just do D-line drills and anything that, you know, D-line specific to, to get ready for the collegiate level. So these next couple of weeks have been, you know, really good and beneficial for me because I just had a lot of time, time on my hands, you know, not including school or any of that. I can just, you know, pretty much just work. We heard from James Franklin, from Manny Diaz during spring practice about getting guys like you prepared as much as possible mentally so when you get to campus, you can hit the ground running and when practices start in August as much as possible. What does that look like from, from your perspective? How, how is the staff preparing you specifically? Uh, so the staff, I mean, we've been going over the plays, um, the defensive installs that I need to know um, when I get out there. So. We've been doing that and having meetings once a week for the past, pretty much throughout the whole spring. Um, you know, just so the guys that already are early enrolled, like everything they know, I pretty much have in my notebook. And it's just on me to study and know my stuff by the time I get up there. So we've been doing that. And then, um, you know, I've been watching the practices on my phone and stuff like that. So I've, they've pretty much been doing anything they can to, to get me ready. So when I come out there, you know, I'm good to go. Considering your size and, and your athleticism and, and what we saw from you in high school and, and what we may see from you in the future, there's, you know, there, there's some versatility involved in your role in the defensive front. What, what do you see as your initial role? Are you a guy that has multiple positions at this point in your development? Do you see yourself going to a specific position right off the bat? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, I, I have no clue, uh, but from what I, my conversations with, the coaches at State College, they see me as, you know, a pass rusher in the defensive end position. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll see these next couple of years how my body develops and where I'll be. But that's where the coaches have told me I'll be, be playing you know, when I first get up there. You've got a couple of McDonough pipeline resources in that defensive front uh, already waiting for you. P.J. Mustafer, Devon, of course. Uh, and then Curtis Jacobs at the second level, going to be a second-year starter at linebacker. Um, how much did those guys and just that connection, and, and Kenny Sanders, of course, uh, of being from McDonough, how much did that play a role in your comfort level making this decision? And how do you think it may help you when you get to campus? I think it helped me, you know, make my decision go to Penn State because, like you said, it was just another another level of comfortability that I had at State College and Penn State. Um, you know, any questions I had, any personal questions about the team or the coaches or anything, you know, I could just ask those guys instead of, you know, asking a player that, you know, I don't really know that much. I can just ask them guys because they give me the truth. They give me the honest um, and, you know, just the real feedback. So I think that helped me in making my decision to, to choose Penn State. And then once I get up to Penn State, obviously, you know, they've been through the tough workouts. They've been through the schools and, you know, the everything. So just me leaning on them guys, them giving me tips and giving me an extra hand when I need it or, you know, anything. Um, it, it's always good to have a big brother on campus to, to look out for you. So I think all three of them guys would definitely be a, be a big help for me. I think they were all kind of aware of you at different points of their career. Some of them were already kind of leaving McDonough. Some were still at McDonough when you were on your rise. Do you have a particularly close relationship with any of those three, all of those three? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Curtis and, um, and Devon, I'm really close with. Um, obviously, you know, I'm with the school with those guys for 
I went to school with Devon for one year and then Curtis for two years. Um, so just being on the field with them guys, being on the D-line was, you know, we, we built a, a special bond those couple of years we played together. Um, but, yeah, I've talked to PJ, too. Um, you know, from what I've heard, we have similar mindsets of, you know, always wanting to, to work and, you know, stay focused on our craft. So I think me and PJ will, will get closer once we get, um, you know, on the field together. But all the conversations I've, I've had with all the McDonough guys, PJ, Kurt, Devon, all them guys, they've um, – you know, we all had a, a special bond together. So I think we'll do special things at State College. Well, you know how it worked with Penn State and McDonough. It's it's who's up next down there. And, and Mason Robinson is a guy that recently told us he'll be making an official visit. Don't have to go down the road of his recruitment all that much, but but what is this guy uh, at the defensive line position and, and Penn State's in the mix with Mason Robinson, of course? Yeah, no, nah, Mason is, is a hard worker. He's a special talent, you know, especially pass rushing. Um, like it was so fun playing with on the D line with him these past uh well only two years because of COVID, but um just working out with him, you know, he like I said about me and PJ, we have similar mindsets and it's the same with, with Mason as well. Like he's always working, he's always in the weight room and he ran track as well, you know. So um he you know, he he's gonna be special wherever he goes, but I, I'm trying to get him to come to Penn State, you know, I'm trying to pull them uh, you know, over my way. You know. Well, you you mentioned it, I've mentioned it, but COVID you know, eliminated an entire season for you off your high school's career. Your junior year was off off the page because of that. And then you had an injury early on in your senior year. And, you know, we're, we're kind of wondering when we're going to get a chance to see Deny Dennis Sutton in action again in, in a game. And you eventually were able to get involved late. How important was that for you? And, and how anxious were you to get out there and play some live action football after extended time away from doing that? Yeah, no, nah, I, I was ready to get out there. You know, um, as you know, I did. I dislocated my elbow in the first scrimmage, so that was tough. I had to miss like three or four games um, in the very beginning. But once I came back, you know, we were smooth. The elbow was good, and we just got back rolling. You know, my team actually made it to the uh, the championship. You know, for our little conference or whatever. So we started off pretty rough, but you know, we ended it off with a with a great season, even though we didn't win it, but. Um, yeah, I, I was excited to get out there. Obviously, anytime you get to step out on the field, it's exciting. It's um, you know, it's what it's what I work for. So, you know, I'm bunch, just looking for it. I was going to say a bunch of your offers that I came before that 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 absence from the field. You know, Penn State was among those teams that targeted you early. By the time you finished up high school, how were you different than that prospect who halfway through his high school career had a bunch of Power Five opportunities? Um, I would say like just COVID helped me out a lot too, um, because I got a lot of time to just focus on everything, like as far as diet, sleeping, um, working out. Like I had plenty of time to pretty much what I'm doing now for these next couple of weeks, as far as just literally focus on my body and not school or anything. So I think COVID helped me out a lot, and I transitioned through that point. But I would say that was really the biggest difference. And after your senior season, you got a chance to go to some of the, the big showcase events in the postseason. You were down in Texas for, for the All-America uh, Bowl. You were out in Hawaii, which was a nice time to be out in Hawaii in January uh, for the Polynesian Bowl. And, and our 24-7 Sports Scouting uh, Council got, got a really good look at you. Ended up climbing 70 spots or so in our rankings after your senior year, after that postseason stuff. And finished number 28 as a five-star prospect. In your mind, what did you go out and prove when you got a chance to compete against the top of your peers in Texas, in Hawaii? Um, 
Um, I mean, I didn't pretty much prove. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was just fun going against the top guys. Um, you know, because the guys that you see all the time on Twitter and stuff, the top guys. It was you know good to go against those guys. But I just went out there and you know just did what I felt. Uh, I mean, pretty much what I've been doing. You know, um, yeah. That, I mean, it, it was a fun experience. It was a good experience. Obviously, I went to uh, Hawaii, so that was. It was amazing there and in Texas. So I was just blessed to be out there and, you know, just to compete. But it was fun seeing the top prospects. And, guys, I'm sure I'll be playing against on the next level as well, you know. There was a lot of talk about the five stars and you guys down in Texas, Drew at the quarterback position, Nick over at running back. Those guys are on campus already. But how charged up are you about the potential of this 2022 freshman class? I think we can do, you know, some special things, honestly. Uh, you know, Nick and, and Drew are, are great, um, great guys and great football players. And, you know, we need them guys this year, in my opinion, you know, to step up big time. Um, but we have a special class all around, um, you know, from the offense, you know, from our wide receivers all the way to like our safeties and stuff. Like, I think we have a really, really good class. So I think if we keep this up, you know, I think right now we have a really good 23 class as well. And if we get a couple more guys, I think that class can be top of the notch as well. So I think if we keep on, you know, keep going the the road that we're going, I think this class would be, you know, something special in the next couple of years. It probably feels like almost a different reality, but let's look back at your recruitment process, which ended last summer. And you took a bunch of official visits to some of the most marquee programs in the country, made one to Penn State. You ended up committing to Penn State. Um, for you, at the end of the day, what still sticks with you? all these months later about why that decision was right? Uh, I feel as though it was the right decision because, like, I, everything that they've told me has been true. Like, they haven't lied to me about anything. Um, any questions I've asked them, if they don't know the answer, you know, they tell me they would get back to me and give me the answer. So um, I really trust the coaches up there. I trust the players up there. I trust pretty much everybody up there. So um, that's why I feel as though, you know, I'm comfortable up there. I feel like it's my home. Um and, you know, I feel like I make the right decision, you know, going there. For nearly the entire time that you were uh, an on an signed prospect, I should say, Brent Pry was the defensive coordinator here at Penn State. That changed a, a, about four weeks or so before signing day. How did Penn State handle that big defensive coordinator change, bringing in Manny Diaz and making sure that you were comfortable and feeling like things were transparent? Yeah, so, I mean, like I just said a minute ago, um, like they – kept everything honest with us. So during this whole time, um, you know, while we were getting a new DC and while Coach Coach Pye was leaving, um, you know, Coach Franklin and all the other coaches were on Zooms and they were keeping giving us updates pretty much on a week on a weekly basis. So um I respected them for that. Um and you know they gained a lot of my trust. But yeah, I, I, I like Coach um Coach Diaz. Um, you know, from my conversations with him, he's a really good guy. He knows his stuff. Um and you know, I miss Coach Coach Pride, but, you know, I think Coach Diaz is going to do some special things as well at, at Penn State. Focusing on the defensive line room, what's the dialogue been like for you between the staff? And has it been a lot of John Scott, a lot of Deion Barnes, a lot of both? How is that communication going so far? I say a lot of both. It's been a mixture of both. Um, both of them have been doing Zoom calls with me. Um, you know, Coach Dion, we, we talked about, you know, um, hash rush situations like I send him my drills he gives me techniques and um, tips I need to work on from the drills that I send him and then coach Scott you know um, 
you know, he comes to Penn State sometimes to look at Mason and the young guys, and I see him then. And, you know, we just catch up. So I'll say it's been a mixture of, of both of them guys, um, and, you know, I'm ready to work with them. Along with you, uh, there's another player coming from the Mid-Atlantic uh, that people are excited about. What they want to see bring something off the edge. Damian Robinson committing uh, just about a month ago, I guess, at this point uh, to Penn State. Spent last season with the Maryland Terrapins, former five-star prospect. Uh, is he somebody that you have a relationship with, uh, being from the same region, um, probably crossing paths at some camps at different points? And how excited were you to learn that he was going to join you in this defense? I was very excited. You know, he's like you said, he was at Maryland, so I got to watch a lot of games um, because you know, I live close to Maryland. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I met him at the uh, Blue White game a couple of weeks ago. So it was cool to meet him in person and, uh, you know, cool to talk to him. He seems like a really nice guy. Um, and I think we're going to do some great things as well, at, you know, at State College. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with him. And then somebody that we heard a bunch about from your class already, and he was the only guy that came early uh, in January on defense, is Zane Durant. It felt like every mm -hmm. time we talked to a coach or a player, they were pointing to what Zane Durant was doing during his first few college practices. Uh, is he a guy that you've established any kind of relationship with? And, and when you hear about early success at a position like that, what does that mean to you? Yeah, um, I've talked to Zane. Um, I, have a, I have a good relationship with, uh, with Zane. Um, like you said, all the coaches, every time I talk to them, like Coach Scott and Coach Dion, like they always give me updates on how Zane is doing. Because um, like you said, he was the only D-lineman up there. So uh, I'm glad to see he's doing really well. I like to see, you know, um, you know, young guys doing well. Um, but I think it's uh, I think it's motivating for me um, because um, just to know it's possible, like he's doing his own thing already, you know, so it gives just a little bit, you know, it gives me a little bit, uh, you know, room to relax, per se, because um, it's like I'm not, you know, I have people that are already up there in my class doing good things, you know, so um, I'm looking forward to working with Zane, and yes, I talk to Zane a lot, so. Um, something that has been a hot topic here, especially when we talk about high-level prospects such as yourself, is the NIL conversation. We had Drew uh, Aller on this podcast and discussed that a little bit before he enrolled. He didn't have much of a plan in place for himself. Is it something that you can go into as much detail as you'd like, but is it something that you have a strategy that you have some kind of plan in place for? Is, or is that something you want to develop as you get to college and kind of work your way through it? Uh, yeah, so I've pretty much been waiting till I step on college campus, you know, because um, I don't want to get caught up in any, you know, rules or violations or anything. So I've pretty much been, you know, not doing any NIL um, conversation or deals until I get on campus. Um, but I don't, I don't really know. I think once I, once I start producing on the field, I think that's when I'll be um, more focused and more deals will start coming in. But right now, I'm not really too focused on, on the NIL deals. I, I think uh, I need to focus on my game and craft first. And then once I start developing those, I think that's when the deals will start coming in. Talk about on-field production. Manny Diaz told us that he wants to throw the red shirts out the window uh, when guys get to campus and give everybody a chance to prove they belong on the field. Then they'll sort through things. Uh, what is your personal expectation for when you get to campus and then once you get on the practice field in August leading up to September 1st kickoff at Purdue? Uh, I would say I'm expecting to go in and just do what I you know, am supposed to do, whatever the coaches ask me to do. Um, you know, if the coaches tell me I need to, you know, you know, take a couple of weeks to focus on something, I, I plan to do that. 
Um, but I, I don't really know what, you know, what they expect me to do quite yet. Um, but right now I'm just focusing and preparing for, you know, the unknown. So whatever they do ask me to do, I'm capable of doing, you know, so that's really my, my goals. We'll see you up here on campus in a few weeks. Uh, last thing for you here, I kind of give you the open microphone. What is your message about what this class is bringing to campus and what you guys are looking to accomplish here in the next few years? Um, I think this class is going to you know, be something special. I think from our conversations, I think we're a confident class. I think we know who we are. Um, I think we're coming in to not just you know sit back, but I think we're coming in to, to make a change and make an impact immediately so you know I, I hope we can we can win some games this year beat ohio state and then you never know maybe be playing in the college football playoffs or something so i think we have some big things coming up and I, i'm looking forward to it well he is denied dennis sutton out of millsboro delaware by way of mcdonough and he's going to be up here in just a matter of weeks for college enrollment tonight we'll see you real soon up in happy valley thanks for the time yes sir thank you appreciate it we'll be right back on the lines 24 7 podcast Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Really appreciate Denai for providing us with some time at a very busy point in his life. We'll see him up here uh, next month and a guy that we'll see on the field, I think, this fall. Um, looking forward to seeing a lot of this freshman group, as we said, a, a bunch of them getting to campus here last weekend. A full coverage of that at lines247.com. The offensive lineman Hunter Norzad here as well. Got some highlights from his days at Cornell up on the site as well. Um, we'll talk to you real soon. We got another episode coming this week. I hope to break down a member of this Nindy Lions recruiting class with one of his high school coaches. Should be a familiar name for a lot of our listeners out there as well. Thanks to Mark Brennan. Thanks to Deny Dennis Sutton. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast.